Yo, what's up, guys? You're now listening to the Wild Youth Podcast. Come on. Welcome to church. Come on. We serve a God who turns seas into highways. We serve a God who turns bones into armies, raising them back to life. We serve a miracle-working God, and we come to church expectant to encounter that power. Are you expectant tonight? All right, come on. We got to get the energy up in here. And energy, I mean, not crazy hype excitement. I mean, energy and passion to expect God to move. That's a special kind of energy. That's a, I'm on the, the, the edge of my chair, God, waiting to see what you have for me tonight. God, what do you want to speak? What do you want to break off of my life? What freedom do you want me to experience? What do you have for me tonight? That's why we come to church, right? We come to either renew our faith, to be reminded of the faith that we have, or we come to to let other people borrow our faith, right? Because the church is also a hospital. It's a place where we help people get well. So if you're standing there thinking like, man, I'm doing great, I'm awesome, my faith is on fire, awesome, what are you doing about it? Who are you here to help tonight? Because what that means is the Holy Spirit has an encounter for you, has an appointment for you, and he wants to use you to minister to someone else. So I want you to be listening tonight. Kicking off a new series called Just Married. Oh yeah, some of you are excited. Some of you are secretly excited, you know. Some of you are desiring to be married one day, but you're too ashamed to admit it yet. It's okay. Okay, get excited. All right, Revelation 19. Go ahead and stand up. Revelation 19. We're going to be reading verses 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! Everyone say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do speak to us. I pray that you would give us understanding, give us understanding of what it means to have true relationship with you. God, I pray that you would reveal to us tonight uh, where we're at in that relationship. Make it clear to us at what stage we're at in relationship with you and what we need to do to press in deeper to that and to trust you more and to put more of our faith in you tonight. God, I just ask that you would wipe away every distraction 
that we would throw everything else from our minds and we would just be focused in this moment on your presence and what you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give five, high pe- five people a high five before you sit down. And I would like my uh, newlywed contestants to make their way up here. All right, since we're talking about just married, I figured we'd have a little bit of fun before we get into it and play the newlywed game. Daniel, can you tell everyone how long you and Clara have been married? Two years. (laughs) Two years. Come on. Still fairly newlywed. Okay, go ahead. Take your shoes off. You need to keep one and give one to Clara. Clara, you need to do the same. Okay, I asked... I asked Daniel before this if, if it was okay, and he was like, I'm wearing two socks and they each have holes in them. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, okay. So this is how this game works. I have five statements. I have five statements, and what they're going to do is when I read off the statement, they're going to hold up the shoe of the person that it makes the most sense of. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Do you guys get it, Clara? Good, Daniel, okay. The person who spends more time getting ready. All right, yeah, you guys are on the same page, okay. Who cooks more meals? Nice. Okay, who has more pairs of shoes? Yeah, all right, all right, you guys are doing awesome, okay. Who eats more sweets? Yeah, we're going four for four. Okay, let's see if you can do five for five. Usually takes out the trash. Yeah, all right, you guys are five for five. Give it up for our newlyweds. That's it. I know, I gave you some easy ones. I figured now wasn't the time to hash out marital issues, right? (laughs) Maybe we'll save that for later. Okay, that worked out really well because... They went five for five. They answered the same on every one. Way to go. That's impressive. So since it is February, I figured it was a good time to dig into what it means to be married to God. I'm going to need the front row to be quiet. Thanks. Thank you. February, what it means to be married to God. See, God often likens our relationship with him to that of a marriage. So a marriage between a husband and a wife, we see that over and over again in the Bible. Several times, his people, meaning us, are referred to as the bride of Christ, right? Isaiah 54 actually says that our maker is our husband, meaning that God, our maker, our creator, is the husband of the church, Now, that doesn't sound as weird for us women. Maybe for the guys, it sounds a little bit weird, right? But it's it's an analogy, okay? You see, there's, there's a reason that sometimes instead of just saying that we are Christians, we say that we have a relationship with God. I'm gonna be honest. I think sometimes we've gone so far into making sure that we're saying it's just, no, I just have a relationship with God. I'm not a part of a religion. I'm not a Christian. I'm just a Jesus follower. I think we've gone a little bit too far, right? But it is a relationship. We do have a relationship with him. But sometimes we we forget that 
there are different phases, different stages of a relationship. And there are different types even of relationships. So simply saying, I have a relationship with God doesn't necessarily mean that you've given your life to God. Does that make sense? So we're going to dig into a little bit about what these phases of a relationship are. So if we look at a dating relationship, a marriage, we'll look at the phases that that goes through and then relate those to our relationship with Christ. See how the two of them compare. So it usually starts by maybe you walk into a classroom, you walk into Target, heck, I don't know, you walk in somewhere and across the way someone catches your eye, right? You're like, whoo, they look good. Or maybe it's someone that's held the door open for you, right? They've done something nice and it just catches your attention like, whoa, okay, they care about people, that's cool. Or maybe you hear something really awesome about someone and it just really catches your attention like, that's a really cool thing that they did. I want to know more about that, right? You start to gain interest to at least know more about a person. And you enter into what I call the curiosity phase. Curiosity. So this is what I would describe as the time where you hang out with a prospective person, the person who you have interest in, in a group setting, right? You find a way to be around this person, but there's a group of people that are there with you. And from this, you begin to learn more about who they are by your interaction with them in that group setting. You even see what they're like around their friends. Now, this is something whenever someone is telling me that they're thinking about dating someone, I ask them, have you been around them when they're with their friends? Because that will tell you a lot. You'll see not only how they act around you because they want to impress you, right? Or you want to impress them, but if they're with you and their friends, you're going to see a little bit deeper about how they actually are and how they actually talk. And the more interested you are, the more that you want to learn about them and the more that you are going to put yourself in a position to be around that person. You're going to find ways to be where that person is. If they're playing a sport, you're going to show up to their game, right? If you find out that they work somewhere, you're going to show up at their work. You're going to do things to make sure that you are in the vicinity of the person that you're interested in. Now, what this might look like with God is that your unbelieving friend starts asking you to hang out with you more. They start asking if they can come with you to youth group, if they can come with you to church on the weekends. Maybe if you have your own Bible study, they ask if they can attend your Bible study and just maybe sit in on it. See, this is the way that unbelievers start learning about God by being around the people of God. They're spending time with the people that know who God is, that have experience with him. And it's then after spending time in these group settings and deciding that the interest is growing, right, they want to know more, the relationship progresses to the next phase, which is dating. <gasps> oh my goodness, dating. She said it. Dating. So dating is where 
you begin to spend some time alone in public, but alone. Bad things happen in basements, people. Don't go to the basement. I've been there. I know what happens in the basement. Don't do it. You go to a public place, okay? So what does this look like? You start to go on actual dates. Maybe you just go out to eat. You go to a coffee shop. Maybe you even just walk around Target. Guys, ladies love Target. Take them to Target. <laughs> Let them walk around, look at all the things. See, dating is the part where you get past the questions like, what's your favorite color? And you get past the question of, do you love God? Because you should know if that person loves God before you get into a relationship with them, right? You start to move into questions like, do you want to have kids one day? If you do want to have kids, how many kids do you want to have? Not 12, no. <laughs> or maybe, wow, a lot of you know, that's interesting. Okay, or you start getting a little bit deeper and you ask, hey, what's God been speaking to you recently? What have you been hearing through his word? What has he been asking you to be obedient in? This is where you start to have the real life conversations. When I initially was writing this, I, I almost said the hard conversations, but I shied away from that because they're not always hard. They don't have to be hard conversations, they're just real. Like, what do you actually want out of life? What do you want your future to look like? These are real questions. Where do you want to live one day? Who's going to discipline the kids? How do we handle conflict? What does your relationship with your family look like? What does your time with God look like? And how frequently do you spend time with him? See, this, this is moving from just being curious to saying, okay, I have questions, but the questions that I now have need answers. They're not questions that I can just leave unanswered. They're questions that I need to know the answer in order to move forward. This is the point in your relationship with God where you move from asking questions about God to asking questions to God. God, are you really good? And if you are good, then why did this thing happen in my life? Do you really know me? Are you even listening to me, right? How can I even know that you're real? These are the kinds of questions I'm talking about. See, these are serious questions that when we ask them of God, we get tangible answers back. When we actually take the time to ask the questions, we will get the answers because the Bible says that when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. As you begin to get alone with God and start reading his word, you're going to find answers like what it says in Jeremiah. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Oh, wait, God, you do have plans for me. 
plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh God, the plans that you have for me are good. Okay. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Oh, is he listening? Yeah, he hears us. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Psalm 139, you searched me, Lord, and you know me. God, you do know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. See, you start getting answers as you get alone with God. As you start to read the Bible, as you start to pray, as you start to maybe just listen to worship songs, God begins to speak to you and you begin to hear what he's saying because you've gotten alone with him, because you've asked him questions. And as you do this, you get to know the heart of God. And that's the purpose of asking questions. When you ask questions and you dig in, you get to the heart of whatever that matter is. And so when you're asking them of God, you're getting to the heart of God. You start to learn that he is gracious, that he is merciful. You learn that he does have compassion for you. And you learn that he loves you. And the more that you hear, the more you begin to believe him. And then comes the proposal. So we move on to the stage that I am calling betrothal. Everyone say betrothal. Betrothal. Okay, so in Bible times, in Hebrew culture, they had this period of time before the actual marriage that was called betrothal. The closest thing that we have to this would be engagement, once you get engaged, but it's not the same, okay? In those times, betrothal was actually legally binding. They signed a contract. And so during that time, they didn't live together. They didn't have sex yet. Now, all of those things didn't happen until the actual marriage feast and the ceremony. But it was so serious, and it was legally binding. So we see the evidence of this with Mary and Joseph, right? The story of, of Jesus being born. Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph finds himself in a pickle, right? Because the one that he's betrothed to, the one that he calls wife, has become pregnant, but he knows that they haven't done what makes her get pregnant. The Bible says that before the angel appeared to him, he had decided to quietly divorce her because of her adultery. Now, to us, that wouldn't make sense if they weren't married yet, right? But that's what's showing that this betrothal was that legally binding contract. And you see, when, when Ian and I got engaged, we viewed it, I would say, as seriously as betrothal. We didn't, you know, sign a contract because that's not really a thing here, not that I know of. So we didn't sign a contract, but we knew at that point when we became engaged, there was no backing out. That was us committing to one day soon, we were going to have that marriage feast, we were going to have the ceremony, and we were going to sign the papers. 
We were committing ourselves to one another. And you see, when we become betrothed to someone, what happens is we carry a different confidence. We carry ourselves differently. We walk with our heads a little bit higher because we know and we are confident in the love that we have for each other. When we say yes to God, giving him our life, we become betrothed to him. Paul, when talking to the church in Corinth, says this, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. See, what Paul is saying is we are betrothed to God. As his people, we have made that commitment. We've given our lives to him, and so we've tied ourselves together. But something else that happens during that time is the man or the husband, he gives gifts to his soon-to-be wife as a way of continuing to pursue and woo her. Woo. Woo. <laughs> W-O-O, woo. <laughs> and these gifts, the gifts were to signify and remind the wife of the promise that was still to come. They were to remind her that we are one day going to live together and be together as one. And the beautiful thing is that when it comes to God, he gives us a gift too. The gift is the Holy Spirit. At salvation, when we give our lives to him, we are given the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that that Holy Spirit is the promise of that inheritance it's the promise of the day when Jesus is going to come back to claim us as his bride. The day in the end times when God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and we are going to be reunited with him. See, God continues to pursue us. And he continues to woo us with his faithfulness. So the question that I would ask you is are you continuing to pursue him? Once you're betrothed, once you've made that commitment, have you continued to pursue God? Are you making time to spend with him? Are you looking for ways to please him? Are you doing everything that you can to show God your love for him? Because our relationship doesn't end, it doesn't halt after we've made the commitment and then we no longer have to please each other because it's, it's over. I've already said yes, right? No. We continue the pursuit. Would you go ahead and stand with me? The last phase of the relationship is marriage. So when we become married to God, when we become one with him, 
It is the true happily ever after. And this is where it gets a little fuzzy, a little tricky, because when we get married to another human being, a husband or a wife, you know, it isn't always rainbows and butterflies, right? It is happily ever after, but it's not the same happily ever after as when Jesus returns. But that's because when Jesus returns, we're going to be reunited to perfection. But our earthly marriages are not perfect. So there's a lot to be learned from that happily ever after marriage and what it looks like in our pursuit of God. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like to love God And we're going to relate that to our earthly marriages. So we're going to kind of do a two-for-one, talking about earthly marriages, but also talking about our marriage to God. We're going to dig into the Word, and we're going to see what it says. But for tonight, I want you to think about where you're at in your relationship with Him right now. Of the phases that we just talked about, where do you find yourself? Are you in the early curiosity phase? Maybe you were invited by a friend tonight, and a lot of this is new for you. You're just getting around the people of God, right? Are you dating him? Are you starting to ask God more questions? Starting to dive in and actually talk to him rather than talking about him, right? Have you already said yes to his proposal? Have you betrothed yourself to him, given your life, made that commitment? If yes, then I would ask you to question what your pursuit of him is looking like right now. But maybe some of you didn't know that there was even a proposal on the table. Maybe you're realizing for the first time tonight that God does love you and he has been asking to live life with you. then I want to be clear, God has made a proposal to you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. His desire is for you. And as we talked about earlier, he has plans for you. But not only that, he actually created you. He created you and he crafted you. I really love using that word craft because when we say craft, there's, there's care to that. There's thought. God put thought and care into the way that he made you. And he made you to perfectly align with the plans that he has created you for. So if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I want to say yes, how do I do it? The Bible says that all we have to do to say yes to that is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we're all going to say a prayer together one line at a time. And if you want to do that, I just want you to repeat after me with us. We're all going to do it together. So if everyone could close your eyes front to back. As you say this prayer, this is you confessing. This is you saying, yes, God, I know that 
I'm a sinner. I couldn't live my life without you. I couldn't make it to heaven without you. But you have to believe that for yourself. God gave you the choice. Just like in a, a proposal on earth, there's always a choice. We can reach out and grab the ring, or we can walk away. I would encourage you to reach out and say yes tonight. God wants to live life with you. He wants to help you. He wants to be the shoulder that you can cry on. He wants to be the person getting in the mud with you and, and cleaning it all up. So if you want that tonight, repeat after me. Say, dear God, dear God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Forgive me for all I've done wrong. You call it sin. Thank you for choosing me. I choose you tonight. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep your eyes closed for just a few more seconds. If that was you tonight, I'm going to count to three. And with no one else looking around, when I hit three, I want you to shoot your hand up because I want to know who I'm praying for. I'm going to pray for you right where I'm at. I'm not going to have you come down to the front. I'm not going to tell everyone who you are. I just want to know who you are so that I can pray for you before we even leave this moment. So if that was you on the count of three, one, two, three, shoot your hand up. Awesome. Thank you. Would you the rest of you just reach out your hands as we pray? God, I thank you for the two students tonight that gave their lives to you. Holy Spirit, would you just come and, and flood their thoughts with truth? Would you come and, and tell them what it looks like to have a relationship with you? Holy Spirit, would you fill them with your peace right now? I pray that they would lay down any, any shame, any hurt that maybe they carried in with them, knowing that shame is left at the cross that Jesus took any shame from them so that we could live in freedom. God, I pray that they would step into that freedom tonight, that they would walk out feeling completely new, completely refreshed, completely revived, God. And I pray that as they wake up tomorrow morning, they would remember the decision that was made tonight, and they would say, God, what do you have for me today? Now, Holy Spirit, I pray over this time at the altar, I ask that you would just have your way. Speak to us. For those of us that have, have appointments made, I pray that you would begin to speak those to us right now, God, and that you would give us boldness to step out and do what you're asking of us. So God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise God for the two people. Amen. Awesome. So for those two people, if you don't have a Bible, please come find me. Anyone that has one of these lanyards, find one of us. We would love to give you a Bible. We want you to have the Word of God because the Word of God is truth. The Word of God will teach you what it looks like to have a relationship, will teach you how to, how to please God, how to live in the goodness of God. So read it. 
please get a Bible and read it. Thanks for tuning in to the Wild Youth Podcast. If you like what you heard, follow us on our socials at the Wild YTH or come in person on Wednesdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Stay wild, fam.